Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. I'm Andy Davis, and in this podcast, I will interview the people working in the data center sector and tell their stories. If you are working in the DC sector or you are looking to work in the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. Today, I'm joined by Rob Elder from Bulk Infrastructure. Morning, Rob. Morning, Andy. A bit of a twist today. Um, I'm the guest and Rob is going to interview me. So hopefully we can give you a bit of a insider's view to, to what it's like to host a podcast and some of my uneducated slash educated views on the on the data center sector. So over to Rob. Super. And listen, thanks, Andy, for uh, the opportunity to turn the table somewhat and uh, put the interviewer as the interviewee in this example. So I'm sure you spend most of your time asking people questions. So uh, it'll be uh, interesting and uh, a pleasure to put some questions to you. So, yeah, as obviously many of you know, Andy's the host of uh, the Inside Data Center podcast. And um, first up, Andy, as you do for most of your guests, it would be great to formally introduce yourself, really, and explain to people what you do. It's a good question, as I always say. Um, so Andy Davis, Director of DataX Connect, we're a data center recruitment company. So that's what I do as my day job. Obviously, I host Inside Data Center podcast as well as a more of a hobby and a pastime that's turned into a bit of a bit of a monster over the last two years since myself and Rob spoke in July 2020, I believe it was, for the first mm. episode. Um, so that's what I do. How I ended up where I am, I guess, which is another question that I always ask, is I am one of the many people that fell into the data center sector, like the majority. I won't go all the way back, but I did a sports science degree at university because I was good at football, and that made sense then to go to university and do a degree in sport. I was lucky that it was the last year of grants and no debt so i didn't have to borrow any money to study sport so that made it a bit easier um after i graduated there's not a lot of careers in sport other than high level sports performers um there's more now than there was then this is 22 years ago so i looked for a sales job to be totally honest because a lot of people that i went to university with were in sales obviously good at sport that team mentality they, they try and push you down those uh, avenues I worked in advertising sales for six months, um, absolutely hated it, to be totally honest. And then I had a few mates that worked in recruitment and I fell into recruitment. So that was back in 2001. And then fast forward to around 2005, 2006, the data center market started to kind of come to fruition a little bit. A lot of the clients back then were your banks um, and your mobile operators, so Vodafone, BlackBerry, people like that. BlackBerry don't even exist anymore, do they? I don't think mm. so. Shows, shows how long ago so. it was. Um, and then obviously, again, fast forward a little bit, Lehman Brothers, the, the crash, the global crash, kind of stopped the market. Data center sort of disappeared from the the recruitment space and the media, there weren't as many being built. And then what you saw in, I can't remember when it was, but probably around sort of seven, eight years ago when the hyperscalers started to come to market, you started to see more requirements in the data center space. Some of the people that I worked with back in 06 were ringing me up saying, Andy, do you still recruit in the data center market? And Mm -hmm. that's kind of how my exposure to the data center space happened. Um, It was fall into it through opportunity. And then I 
I really enjoyed the sector, enjoyed the projects. And obviously now, you know, we've been doing it for quite a while and, and obviously there's a lot of great people in it. So I yeah. love working in it. Great. So there's two sort of themes I was keen to chat to you about today, actually. One one obviously is a little bit more focused on, you know, your, I say tongue in cheek, but your real job, but your, your recruitment side of things. Because I think you've got a really interesting insight into that and I, I've got some questions I'd like to dig into that but just the other section the other part of this will be you know talking a little bit about this podcast really um so I'll just start there but you know I think we've known each other for maybe seven or eight years um again got got to, in touch with you related to some people we needed to bring on on board and um it was a couple of years ago I think you were looking to set this podcast up and I was you know delighted that you reached out to me and I think you know you put me up first which um I'm sure it's all been uphill from from there but um what I was keen to understand you know two years ago you you obviously or maybe a bit before decided to do this you've done a hundred odd I think it's a hundred I counted just 103 is it podcasts that you've certainly broadcast um so what's your what was the motivation really to start with to do this and I guess how has your view on you know that changed over the last couple of years and and um, the journey you've been on particularly with this podcast yeah great question and thanks for being the first you know it was it is the most downloaded episode as well which always uh, kind of makes me laugh the first one is still the most downloaded so go back i've and got a big family so that's what it is yeah <laughs> yeah and a, and a fan base um yeah. so why did i decide to do it um I listened to a lot of podcasts is kind of what started to trigger my interest in the, the, the opportunity that a podcast offers you and the guest. That was one point. Um, with related to the sector, I was frustrated at the conversations I'd have with people and they would, I had to sign an NDA for everything. And I still say this quite regularly now, you know, as a recruitment person, I was asked to sign an NDA for every role, every conversation and, a lot of the time, those conversations didn't actually have anything in it that warranted an NDA. They were quite open conversations. And I was a little bit frustrated that I knew a lot of people in the sector that had some great stories to share and wanted to share more. But because of the mindset from the industry that it's closed and we can't talk about it, people didn't really have a platform to do it. So my idea back in lockdown that was what triggered it was you know there wasn't a lot going on let's be honest the first three months of 2020 were even the data center sector had a period of of, of consolidation i suppose where there, there wasn't a lot going on and it was an opportunity to to test the water with it and you know i recorded five episodes uh, to just see what happened mm-hmm. um, i really enjoyed the conversations it, again it it hot it reinforce what my thinking was that people did have great stories to share and that we could say a lot without saying the things that we can't say and and it snowballed from there to be totally honest it was try and do one a week for a couple of months and um, we've missed I think four or five weeks in the last two years where we haven't released one so it's it's crazy where it's gone and where it is today and you know we've gone from getting I, I can't remember what the first week's downloads were. And obviously it was your episode, Rob, so I probably should increase it than what it was. But, you know, we, we now regularly get a thousand downloads a week, which still kind of blows my mind when I think about it. And and listeners from, I think the last time I looked, there's a great stat on the hosting platform that tells you all the countries that, where someone has downloaded it. And I okay. think we're up to about 120 something countries, which 
obviously some of those are just one person, one download. But again, it just highlights to me that globalness of the sector, the globalization of data centers, the, the listings are spread all over the world, which is another great opportunity for us to share the stories. Yeah. I think listening to others uh, speaking, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, there's a real emphasis on, you know, bringing new people into the sector and and education. And I guess the more people can hear about, you know, individuals and their journey. And I think, um, you know, there is no one size fits all. So I, I think there's, yeah, if there's one takeaway I've heard from, from that, it's that everybody seems to have kind of had a, Although there's some common elements for, for sure that everybody's got a different story. And I, I wonder, do you think that um, was was that part of an initial ambition was to sort of, let's say, give people from outside the sector better understanding of how to get in? And and, and has that kind of materialised in your view or it, or was it also to help educate people in the sector about other opportunities or did it was it not quite as uh, deliberate as that? And, 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 you know, is that something that you've seen any any progress in? It did. It was in the consideration, I guess, about mm. I was I'm always asked, you know, in my job, a lot of questions about people that are not in the industry. How can I get in the industry? Mm. And a, a question I was asked, the sector is so much better than it was than we looked two two years ago, was where can I find some information on it? Because there wasn't any information around how to start a career in data centers or what skills can be transferred into data centers, what attributes do I need? So it was in my thinking, I, I guess what I've learned more and what I've been um, surprised at, for want of a better word, is the amount of people that come from apprenticeships that come from non-engineering and non-technical backgrounds. Mm. I think it's, I, I obviously had an idea that people were coming from all different paths to get into the sector, but I would say the majority of CEOs I interview were apprentices. Um, the majority of investors that kind of changed the face of the data center sector had a poor education uh, and they took some gambles and took some risks. And I don't think people necessarily hear those stories in the media. It's go to university, get a degree in engineering, and then, you know, data centers is an opportunity for you. But if you actually look at it and talk to people in the sector, they're not engineers, a lot of them, they're not technical and they have followed very different paths and still become very successful. So yeah, it's definitely something that I hope has helped people. And I have had messages from people saying, thanks, you know, I listened to this episode, he, they, he, she really helped me kind of on my career. So, you know, things like that are what makes you want to keep doing it. That somewhat, I always think if one person gets some value out of it, then it's, it's worth doing. Yeah. And, and and another element I've heard you talk about because I was listening to the um, the episode that you released this week from Matt Roach, which I thought was was really excellent and and very insightful. But um, you warned him that you might get on your soapbox. But retention, right? So retention strategy, because I appreciate this isn't just focused on the podcast, but a lot of focus in our industry is about you know bringing in new talent. But you know this sector does demand quite a lot of people. And what what's your sort of view on that i'm keen to sort of this is your soapbox now so give you a bit of a chance to explain your thinking on you know the impact of retention and, and how you think in this sector that we shape up because that's something that people don't don't traditionally focus on no 100 and it's something that people like myself don't talk about enough you know like recruitment companies we go into businesses and we tell them how to recruit and 
obviously that's our job but you know we're consultants at the end of the day so we should be advising so if there's any recruiters out there that are listening i'm sure there are I'll make sure you're advising your clients rather than just selling to them because that's part of our job um and i think so retention is one of those for me that it frustrates me because i obviously get the calls from the people that want to leave that's that's where i sit in the industry you know not always obviously i'm trying to find people and give them better opportunities but i have those conversations with people about why they want to change company or career or role and and i always, a lot of their challenges are solvable by their employee they don't have the platform to have the conversation with sorry by their employer they don't have the platform to have the conversation with their employer or their employer's just not asked them or their employer's not implemented something that's quite a quick fix and what I've noticed in, in data centers specifically is um, the travel is obviously a really big challenge for people. You know, it is a global industry and people are expected to be somewhere the next day and things like that. And it's not always achievable and there's not a conversation around it. It's more mm. you need you need to be in this country by Monday. Just go. Um, that's one of the main challenges people have. But, yeah, I think retention is important to me because if the sector loses the talent it's got then the talent challenge becomes even greater the industry's growing quicker than the talent pool and it's impo- it's absolutely impossible for the industry to keep up that's we know that it's it, you could do all the work we could collaborate we could have all the hyperscalers all the cloud operators working together we still couldn't bring enough people in quick enough so we have to retain what we've got mm. and if you're if you're an employer and you don't focus on your retention you're constantly trying to attract people. And if you're trying to attract people, but you've got poor retention, you'll find it even harder to attract people because mm-hmm. they'll start to see more and more people leaving your organization. So I guess my kind of overriding view on it is that if you've got a talent strategy, the key to it should be retention, not attraction. And mm. a lot of organizations flip it the other way. They'll sit with someone like me or internally and say, right, we've got all this work coming in this year. We need we know in Q1, we need these people, Q2, these people. This is what we're looking to, to do. We want these key hires to come in here, but nowhere in that strategy is attrition. Mm. So what happens if, what's your attrition this year? 20%, right? So you lose 20% of people next year. You need to add 20% talent to that pipeline. And and then again, that just knock, knocks on and knocks on. And I guess a good example of it is, which we were talking about earlier is like my own business and the four day week and we, recruitment is a massive high turnover business sector. Mm. It's a higher fire industry. And, you know, I could rant about recruitment for ages as well. But we brought in the four day week to improve for our existing staff, not to attract people, but to improve the retention of existing and to give them more time to do what they want to do. It was a mm. reward really, but our retention since we did it, is a hundred percent right Fantastic. and our attract and our attraction has gone through the roof you know most companies are struggling to recruit we're struggling to find seats for the people <laughs> that want to work for it so things like and i'm not saying everyone needs to do the four-day week it's not practical for a lot of industries but having that sort of viewpoint that we'll do something for our existing staff mm. to reta- retain them has a massive impact on then your attraction so it's trying to just explain to people the synergy between the two. And, and obviously, as I say, in data centers, it's so important because we just can't afford to lose people. Yeah. We need, we need more, not less. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was that was something I was keen to ask you because I guess that concept of work-life balance, I mean, I obviously I work for a Nordic company, but, you know, 
people in the Nordics generally um, go to work to live, uh, whereas in the in the rest of Europe we sort of sort of the other way around, really, which is culturally a difficult thing to to deal with as well. Not it's not just enforced by employee employers; it's actually something employees also reinforce, which is a bit strange, really. But um, but yeah, so I was going to ask you about that. But I mean, do you do you see through your conversations with um, people through this podcast and their experiences, but also through your day job, that that there's any sort of good examples in the data center sector where you know organizations? I mean, I, obviously you're in a privileged position to some extent because whilst you sign all these NDAs, you get to hear about new up and coming things, and you you'll see, I guess, employers where things are not clearly good because you're getting lots of phone calls. But have you got a sense of what? what things might be in in play that work in this in this sector to help you know retention i think there's not a lot that happens around it there was one point i will make um what i do get now which i didn't is a lot more calls and conversations around salaries and around mm. benchmarking and we're concerned that we're not paying our existing staff what we need to pay to attract people so we need some benchmarking work done can you tell us what a project manager in Denmark gets, you know, because mm. we don't want to lose the ones we've got for money. So that's a positive step. You know, that is, a, a, it's not all about money, but that is a positive for the industry that they are, people are looking at it. Um, mm. I think well-being and mental health has become a massive conversation piece now with, with companies around how can we give that flexibility is one, you know, like people will ask me, what does that company do? Do they work at home two days a week or do they expect people in the office? You know, or what do we need to do to attract people? So flexibility is something that, again, companies are talking about and, and the better ones are offering individual flexibility rather than blanket flexibility. So, you know, like we were saying earlier, I'm, it's a Friday, I'm in the office, you know, I'm quite happy to come in the office, but the rest of the staff are at home. Um, mm. And, it's having that option to do what is good for you, but being able to deliver the good, the results. So, you know, you might want to work in the office two days a week. I might only want to work in it one day a week. Does that really matter if that's what both people want rather than saying you have to do this? So mm. flexibility has become a bigger thing. Um, I think from a well-being perspective, I guess some of the, the organizations that are really implementing, um, something that impacts your well-being whether that is giving you i don't know more time off or giving you access to coaches and counseling and things like that there there's a lot of simple things you can implement that make a big difference and it is definitely more of a topic of conversation than it was i'd say even a year ago i think covid mm. changed it didn't it everyone's viewpoints changed during covid um we're seeing it a lot with I'm trying to think of examples but we're seeing it a lot with shift engineers and day engineers in data centers, you know, the shifts have always been really rigid. Mm. You do 12, you do this shift, you do this shift and you do that shift. But if that doesn't fit in with that person's, even neither shift worked for that person, he's, he's unemployable. Yeah. So one thing we've said to some of the operators is, can you flex your shifts? Can you have, rather than two shifts a day, can you have three shifts a day and spread the hours over five days rather than four days? You know, simple things like that are, I say simple, they're simple to me, but they're difficult to implement. But what they do is give you a better talent pool and they mean that your staff are not on site 10 or 12 hours, they're on site seven or eight hours. And they 
a lot of the candidates would prefer that rather than four days on, three days off or, or whatever that shift might be. So again, yeah. but a lot of it, I think it's just flexibility. Yeah. Listening, listening to employees and what, what they want. Yeah. I think it has to come as well from the top down as an, as an industry, right? If, the, if we have to get the balance between cost, I mean, you know, everybody wants to deliver value for money and cost, but you know, if things cost more because they're delivered in a more sort of sustainable way, uh, whether it be sustainable for society or people's well-being or mental health. I mean, that can't be a bad thing. There's always a cheaper way to do something. But if you're, you know, achieving that cost saving through something which is perhaps not, um, you know, delivering the right health or well-being for the people that are delivering it, then maybe that's that's a bit a bit of a step too far. So I, I do I think um yeah, I do. I do think it has to be kind of top down through this whole sector, really, because you know everybody else is just trying to deliver for somebody else. You know. Um, yeah, and I think that that came up in my conversation with with Matt about hmm. the the project side of it, so the construction element of it. Cost is obviously critical, but if you put a skeleton team on that project to deliver it to save money, you're going to burn out the team. Hmm. You're going to do a do a poor job on that project you're going to probably never work with that client again. And in this industry, you'll probably never work in the data center sector again because it is that critical that you do a good job. So you're exactly right. That that cost saving on staff might save you a, a few quid and might win you the tender, but the knock-on impact of that is significant. So that outlay, the investment, is worth the return a lot of the time. And again, yeah. it's having that mindset that if you're investing in your people, you will get a return from your people. Again, like I said, the four-day week, you know, we changed the four-day week and we've broken all our records this year. I don't think it's a coincidence that mm. people are having more time off and, you know, there's that. And also they want to work harder because they don't want to lose a four-day week. Yeah, well, I mean, it's. Um, I think it's a fantastic thing to do and, and, you know, fair play to you. I don't think there's many companies that have taken that kind of step. So it's great to hear it's worked and, um, you know, people are, embracing it i think i think it's a great thing i was going to so a couple of, couple of other questions about the podcast really so what i mean you've you've talked to many 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 people from a whole i mean just fantastic variety of of individuals but what is there any sort of advice best piece of advice that you've heard is there anything that stands out to you as being a real silver bullet or something that you you know totally totally caught you i'm just kind of keen to get your sense of what's been a standout you know, piece of advice or or bit of insight you've been given I think the, the best advice that, that I get on the podcast is to ask people for advice, mm. to reach out to people. And, and I would say out of all the answers, I, I don't know the answer, but I'm pretty confident that the, the biggest percentage is people that say reach out, ask for advice. And, and I think that's really important because I don't think we're very good at asking for advice. Generally, you know, society doesn't really warrant you. You don't want to look like you need help. But, you know, it's not about needing help. It's about asking for someone's opinion on it and taking yeah. their viewpoint into consideration. And then you can evaluate whether it's the, the right piece of advice. Um, one piece of advice that I like, and it, someone did say it on the podcast, and it's something that I always kind of turn to as well, is that, you know, it, the most – it's uncomfortable if you're too comfortable, you know, like in your mm -hmm. career. Don't get too comfortable. And I think that's a really great piece of advice from a career perspective because – it's so easy to get really comfortable in your career, but then you stop challenging yourself. You yeah. stop stepping out. And if you want to progress and you want to develop, and it doesn't necessarily mean development's not just about 
stepping up your job role. It's about developing individually and within your role. But if you're comfortable, it's you, you should consider it uncomfortable. And I'm I'm one of those people massively. If I get too comfortable, then I get you know <laughs> I get itchy feet and I have to go and try and do something new and things like podcasts, I guess. So yeah, that would yeah, yeah. be my my best advice. Um, thinking off the top of my head at others, I think I say reach out is always the the most yeah and do it as well do reach out to the people that have been on the pod because they all say they would they're happy for it so mm-hmm. make sure make sure you do do it um learn continuously learn i think reading comes up quite a bit you know like mm-hmm. learn from other sectors as well don't just talk to people in your own industry you know read study be be inquisitive you know ask questions yeah. because otherwise you don't learn so yeah a lot of it goes back to those points and i think Again, great piece of, of advice. And, and what I like about it is you do get different perceptions from whether you're, you know, a Mike Tobin or, a, you know, or an apprentice that's just started in the industry. The, the fact that you get that viewpoint, and that's why I try and do everybody in the sector, is to try and get the viewpoint of what it's like for an apprentice that's just started to what it's like for someone that's, you know, an investor and was one of the main stars of the data centre sector in the UK. So... Yeah, there's some great advice on it. Listen, mm. skip to the skip to the end of every episode, and you can <laughs> you can listen. Yeah, that, to the that's the that's the golden the golden goose at the end, is it? I think as I mean, I have to say from experience, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, anybody I've asked for you know professional advice, technical advice, career advice, or or anything, I would say you know I'm, I'm talking in the industry outside of my organisation at the, at that moment in time everybody's so willing and and happy to help i think you know it's not a big sector so actually you know i would say don't don't burn bridges you know everybody has has similar challenges and everyone's trying to achieve the same thing personally and professionally you know most people are and i think the good thing about this space is that um although people are busy and maybe they don't have the time you know which is also understandable given the previous discussion we had but um yeah I, i have to say i think um don't be afraid to ask and don't be afraid to show that kind of vulnerability and inquisitiveness, as you say, because that's really where relationships are cemented. You you progress, make the real difference. I think Matt articulated it yesterday when he said, you know, there's sort of seven or eight people who have been instrumental in helping him. I'm sure they didn't just um just chuck their chuck their pennies worth it. I'm sure he was able to ask in his own way. And that I think that's what I think that's what makes people successful. So that's good to hear. Um what, one other one, and what? Yeah, maybe this putting you on the spot a little bit, but is there is there one person that you would most like to? I, mean, I don't know how. Maybe you could give some insight into how you come to get these different people on your podcast. But I suspect people reach out to you, but I'm sure you also reach out to other people. But is there one person that you've you know not managed to snag yet, or that you really would like to talk to that hasn't hasn't either you haven't either haven't approached or that hasn't come back to you? So there's quite a few that I've approached that haven't come back to me. Um, but <laughs> I don't believe that. To, to be honest, I get a lot of people asking me to be on it, but what I like is the stories that other people don't tell. You know, I like the, the people that others don't know and yeah. that have a great story and they can share something different. That's why you know I've done the apprenticeship ones because they have you know, we talk about attracting apprenticeships to the apprentices to the sector, but has anyone asked an apprentice? how they got into it or what it's like or how we can do it and talk to the younger people in it, talk to people that have come from other sectors and how they transitioned into it. 
talk to, you know, again, like people like Matt about mental health, talk to people about diversity that are in the thick of it. You know, like Nancy Lamb was one of my beginning ones, you know, a project director as a female. What's it actually like sitting in a meeting room with a bunch of white <laughs> middle-aged men? You know, like mm. the reality of it, those actual conversations. So they're the ones I enjoy. And then obviously, you know, I say like people like Guy Wilner, that, um, you know, fascinating individual that, has changed the face of the data center sector. So you've got that extreme, Mike Tobin, who, you know, the story of, of Telecity and, you know, it's mm. crazy stories like that are, are brilliant. And Chad Harris, Bitcoin mining in, in Texas, massive variety of people, but the entrepreneurs that are changing the industry are always fascinating. The people that just don't have the opportunity to share their platform or to share their story are the people that I like to speak to. So anyone out there that's, got a great story i'll share it for you and because i always think that they're the stories that help people more we don't all want to talk about megawatts gigawatts kilowatts whatever the infad what is of the day there's some great podcasts out there that are very very technical and we try and stay away from that and be a bit more real i suppose a bit more grounded with people in in the industry today and what's it actually like to work in this world of data centers it's good to hear because I think the thing that stands out again listening, I've, I have to admit, I'm not listening to all 103, but there's the some I have listened to. You know, some people like I've listened to because I know them very well, and it's interesting to hear them. But others I've never heard of, and it's like, oh, what's what's this story? But the the, the thing which people have to think about, I like, is when you ask them a question about themselves. That everyone everyone can talk about. I mean, everyone in our industry is selling to some extent. It does make me laugh when these um, conferences say we don't want any salespeople, and then I mean ev- everybody's selling in some capacity, but. Yeah. So everyone could talk about their company and what they do really well, right? Because that's what we do every day. But when you ask someone a question about themselves and what drives them and how they, I think you, that's the ones where you hear people pause and you, you get the real nuggets of, of uh, information and insight, which is which is good. So yeah, keep keep doing that really. And what's your, uh, what are your sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, I was just going to say, I totally agree because it's like when I, I'll, I'll quickly say it's when I interview a CEO, my thought process as a recruiter is how did you get there? Mm. What was that journey like to get there? Because I'm fascinated by how people step up and what what opportunities and what risks they've taken in their career. Because I think that will help someone. Whereas the sometimes the CEO wants to talk about their business, and it's totally understandable. I get that. But if I can get that little one minute or two minute snippet of how they achieved what they've achieved, somebody listening will hopefully get some benefit of it. And you know, and in five years, hopefully they'll be sat in their seat and they can come and not come on and tell their story. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's a great uh, a great um, aim, and it's um, I think it comes through in many of the in many of the discussions, which is good. And what so I saw I think I saw a post you put on LinkedIn the other day about you thinking of taking a break maybe from the podcast, but then I think you've uh, you said actually no, I might might stick on it for a while. But I mean, what's your have you got any ambitions for this or for something next? You know, what's next in in this regard? Yeah, I think that was more. I'm just I'm really busy at the moment, as we were saying earlier. I'm, I'm, that's why I'm working on Friday. I'm, I'm a bit manic, so I was thinking I should probably take a few months off. But then I thought, actually, no, I don't want to. So I'm back on back on the game, back getting some uh, episodes booked in. Good. Um, I think what I've got a bit of an eye on events at the moment um, for this, a similar type of viewpoint. I attend a lot of events, and they're great. Mm. I see the same. I see the same people at every single one. I hear a lot of the same discussions at every single one. So can I shake that up a bit? I think it's sort of on my radar and that's something I'd really like to do 
next year and that would be you know off the back of the podcast and trying to create an environment where people can share and learn not necessarily from the data center industry but from other people other you know viewpoints and that's something I'd like to do if the time allows I'd like to at some point do some sort of a live podcast in in a bar somewhere and try and get a few people together um, but the, the the podcast is as a as a sort of platform itself it's the evolution I think will come from the conversations um, mm. I'm trying to I've been asked by quite a lot of people to do kind of group ones on certain subjects like sustainability or power but I'm still trying to kind of stay away from that I think I'll leave the DCDs of this world to to those type of conversations because that's what they're they're good at and try and keep this a bit more bit more real and mm. down to earth about the people so hopefully there, there'll be a few things that I can do related to group discussions around subjects but I looked at one earlier about you know like talent attraction and I want to do a round table type discussion on that but I'd quite like to get a candidate in that can't get into the data center sector and to sit there and talk to some people in the sector and ask them why they can't get the opportunity and put them on the spot a bit yeah, to see, yeah. if we can, see if we can shape a few viewpoints on that so something around that will probably happen fairly soon and I say hopefully we can get at least one event in 2023 and although I said that about podcast I said one podcast and <laughs> We're 103, so hopefully I won't have 103 events because I think I'll be divorced and my children would have moved out. <laughs> yeah. Especially if they're all at a bar. But uh, <laughs> True. Um, no, good. Well, I mean, I think um, I think it's fantastic that uh, I was really impressed that, um, you know, somebody took the, took the opportunity to start something like this. That's a credit to you, but also really that you've stuck it out and that you've really evolved it. I think it's a real credit to the, to the um, dedication and... Um, and the fact that people want to contribute, I think, just reinforces the fact that, like you say, everyone's quite keen to share, hopefully, some insightful and useful information. But um, so, so last one from me, then. What what would you see? I know you ask a lot of your guests or this one, but your predictions for the next 12 months. What? what um, and obviously, um, you know, people like Liz Truss will probably appreciate some insight here. But, uh, you know, things are things are quite up and down at the moment. But what are your predictions in our space uh, in the next uh, next 12 months? Yeah, I'm not going to predict the economy, not today anyway. <laughs> maybe, maybe in a couple of weeks we'll have a better idea of where that's going. Um, I think, again, I always say, like, ask ask the experts and the, the general viewpoints that I'm getting at the moment is a period of consolidation. I think it is coming. The market has grown exponentially and it's really hard to actually fathom how much it's grown in the last couple of years until you look at it and look at the scale of the where the where the megawatts are now and the scale of the facilities and you know the amount of new platforms new investment new money um i was at an event in antibes a couple of weeks ago the platform event and there's a lot of new money coming in so i don't think we're going to see a slowdown in that anytime soon you know there's still multi-billion dollar platforms looking to invest into into the data center space so we're still going to see new money i think we'll see more acquisitions um which will be part of the consolidation. Uh, I think we'll continue to see new markets. So that's where a lot of the growth is going to come from now. I think power restraints in the main markets is, is part of the reason, but also that demand for, for data closer, you know, for the storage yeah. closer to source. So I think we're going to see that. Um, if I twist it a bit from more of like a talent perspective, because I guess that's what I 
I, I am allegedly the, the expert in. I think um, more collaboration is what the sector needs and it is what I'm seeing now. So more organisations working together to try and solve the challenges that we face and talent is a, is a big one. You know, no one company can solve it on their own. You've seen mm-hmm. things like the career pathfinder which is like google and microsoft and the like merging together um and a few different initiatives in different countries it's across the world where organizations are getting together to try and help solve the talent challenge so that in five years we're not at the same position we are now so i think that's something we'll see more of hopefully i think there's definitely more conversations around it and that's normally a, a good starting point so yeah they're probably my my snippets and on the on the government side of it, I think I read a, um, and I put this post on LinkedIn, um, Kwasi Kwarteng, who's the uh, Chancellor in the UK at the moment, for those who don't know, <laughs> not sure how long he's going to last, but he is a, a president. And he released a statement after the pound plummeted saying about their, their new budget and fiscal views and everything. And there was a sentence in there about digital infrastructure. And I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see more governments driving investment and into digital infrastructure and seeing more tax efficient uh, investment opportunities in countries to try and attract that investment that, as I said, is, is coming into the industry. So I think we're going to see more of that, more more government involvement, which could bring regulation um, as well, but more, I guess, the governments all want the investment. So what can they do to attract that investment to their country. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really uncertain and, and, and challenging, you know, landscape. I think, you know, there's the whole financial and economic side of, of the current situation, particularly in Europe, but, you know, globally generally. And 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 you kind of combine that with the energy crisis as it stands, which obviously data centers are huge consumers of, of energy and other natural resources, water. And then, you know, you sort of um, add into that this whole kind of drive and absolute need to to reduce carbon emissions and i mean it's a bit of a melting pot you know and then obviously the issues of cyber security and the and the need for digi- you know more digital services and this and the security of those digital services so i think it's very interesting times actually so um yeah it'd be interesting to see but lots of different competing challenges and i think um i think the one thing is clear is i don't i don't think many people really know what will happen um, I, th- I think it's a bit of a perfect storm isn't it at mm-hmm. the moment and that's kind of what I say, but I think the way I look at it is that's, that's opportunity to me. Like, yeah. you know, uh, all this happening in the world, you can look at it and you can sit there and wallow and think, oh, it's, it's negative. But I think you've got to look at it as opportunity. Like, how can you adapt your business or your organisation to seize on those opportunities? You know, like when you look at sustainability, who's going to be successful out of that in the next five, 10 years? It'll be those companies, those organisations that invest in a more sustainable power source or you know a more sustainable way of working the ones that are taking a back seat now because maybe it's not their priority will be the ones that are impacted so i think you've yeah. got to look at it look at the challenge and then think right where's the opportunity there's always one somewhere people yeah, you know, yeah. don't, don't they say the rich get richer in in the bad times so there's something yeah. in that yeah yeah, and I think Matt was saying yesterday, you know, don't just pay lip service to things like sustainability. The companies that actually understand it and embrace it and and take action are the ones that, you know, longer term exactly. are, gonna, are gonna be and successful. That, and that's um, the same on the talent space. Mm. Again, you know, like amount of companies I talk to that talk about what they're gonna implement and they don't implement anything. Mm. And I think it's like you said earlier about it, it's top down. 
You know, the CEOs or the leaders of these organizations have got to drive the change. They've got to want it and they've got to really drive it down their business. And we are seeing more of it now in across all challenges that we face. And power is another one that, you know, some some organizations are so far ahead of others with regards to where they source their power. So hmm. yeah, it's a it's a top-down approach and and exactly what you just said. It's about don't just talk about it, actually put something into place. You know, action's more important than than words. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Evident by your successful podcast. You, you did it. So um, listen, thanks, Andy. I really um, appreciate you accepting my invitation to, to turn the tables for this one. And it's um, it's really great to hear your insights and uh, experiences over the last couple of years and also from your career. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for your answers today and good luck with the podcast and whatever else you do next with it. Thanks very much. And, and I really appreciate you for reaching out to me as well. It's good to tell my story and hopefully again it, it helps somebody out there and we can we can help someone else join the sector or share a bit of wisdom so i appreciate it great cheers andy cheers rob